This is episode number 242 of the Well-Fed Women podcast. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm Noel Tarr. I'm your host. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified personal trainer. Today I'm here with Steph. We have some interesting topics to discuss, including going gray. We all know aging is one of Steph's favorite topics. Feministic philosophy, which is actually probably one of Steph's favorite topics. Working mom life and feeling sexy in an Instagram world. That is telling you, you are everything but that. First, I want to thank Fabletics, our sponsor. Thank you so much, Fabletics. Go to fabletics.com slash wellfedwomen. They make beautiful leggings, tops, and accessories for a wide variety of activities. They have a wide variety of sizes. You'll get two leggings for only $24 by joining the VIP program. And you'll get access to discounts and new styles monthly, which is pretty darn awesome. Look good, feel good, wear the prints, stand out, get some new stuff. As your weight changes, as things fluctuate, as you have kids, as you don't have kids, leggings are life and it's nice to have some options <laughs> that are, have different fits. So for example, somebody asked me this recently, the power hold is pretty darn tight. Maybe you don't want a really tight legging when you're doing your athleisure and hanging out around your house. So athleisure. get your power hold and get your non-power hold, your regular fit leggings. Uh, Fabletics has all of the things. Fabletics.com slash women. And make sure when you use our link that you fill out the interactive survey and that'll customize everything to you. So Steph, talk to me about IKEA because <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at side tables for my son's nursery because we actually just put him in his nursery full time now. He naps in there and he does his sleepy time at night there. And I'm sitting here scrolling and Steph had to take a break to do something. And I said, yeah, I'm just sitting here looking at side tables. And Steph said, I went to Ikea last week, which is quite an experience, and I would love to hear how it went. And did you buy anything? You can't get out of Ikea not buying anything, so I want to know what you bought. Okay, A, everybody, I don't know if you heard the subtext of what Noelle's saying, but what she's telling you is that while she's recording this podcast, she's looking at side tables online. It's definitely happening. Definitely happening. Um, Yeah, so I went to Ikea because, surprise, the boy, who is pretty much the answer, the reason. He's just a great influence. I just love him more and more every day. Okay, keep going. God, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. So he just bought a house, um, and I do not own a house, but I did just, as I mentioned last time we recorded, I did just move into a new flat. And if you listened last time, you'll know what flat means. Um, yeah, so I live in a little studio and it's cute. Um, and I thought I would poke around because, so I moved in. Okay. So my life has been tumultuous to say the least recently. And I'm just like, so done. I'm so done with everything. I'm so done with the tumultuous life. 
Um, and I was so excited to move into this new flat and get settled. And um, I moved in and realized that it like has nothing that I need. Right. Like it's, it's it, in the, well, it has, it's nice. It's recently renovated, but it's uh, per graduate student housing, like there kind of. So the bathroom, for example, has a sink, but like nowhere to put anything. <laughs> I'm like, do you know how much lipstick I own? <laughs> this- like in my, in my last place, I had this like giant ledge. And I like stood up all my lipsticks in a row and it's like three feet long. Yes. No, it's a problem. This is a problem in many houses. Go on. Yeah. So so did you find something at Ikea? Like I need, I need a little tower. I need this. I wanted a rug. I needed a shower mat. Uh, So in Ikea, um, I got a shower mat, which I adore because it's a shower mat and that's really all that matters. And (laughs) Wait, that's the thing where when you get out of the shower, you stand on it, right? That's what I mean. Not one in the shower. Okay, I, mean I thought you meant in the shower, so that's nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm clarifying. Outside, it's blue. Uh, Rob had to pick out the color for me because I was like, I don't really know. And he was like, rugs should always be like a statement color. I was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> but then I don't know why he picked out a neutral color rug for like my main area. And I just went with it. I was like, well, he obviously knows what he's doing. So... <laughs> I love that you gave him so much control. <laughs> Yo, like, I really like to be in control in a lot of ways I in my know. life. But when it comes to interior decorating, like, somebody please lead me. <laughs> you know, oh like, God. please. Yeah, I'm, I'm a racket, like, trying to make things look nice. Mm. Um, <laughs> y'all have seen my websites and my <laughs> Instagrams. <laughs> no one's yes. laughing yes. because... Yeah. Remember, oh my God, my first, I cannot, my first oh, paleo human website. It was like black with a little tiger. Way back machine. It was black with a tiger. I'm going to look at it right yeah. now. No, the old paleo for win website. I'm going to look at it um, right now. Oh my goodness. Well, the tiger was cute. My friend of mine, who's actually a brilliant designer, did it for me. But, or it was like a leopardy thing. When did you start? Wow, 2012. How do you know that? Because it's yes, in the Wayback yes. Machine. There's okay, one yeah. snapshot from May 4th. Oh, it doesn't really show much. It says, oh, neuropeptide Y, appetite, macronutrients, and yo-yo dieting. Or, why restriction breeds carb addicts and disordered eaters. <laughs> that is that is the blog post you had just published. <laughs> That's the worst title of all time. <laughs> Oh man! So you live and you learn. Yeah. So anyway, um, IKEA is great. Um, I died. I got a headache that day. We we went home. You're gonna adore this. We went back to his place. (laughs) Wait, I just found the tiger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! You had so you remember like back in the day when you'd have those. Are we putting this in the show? Yes, we are. Everybody will remember this. So websites, you would have these like bars at the top and they would like slide and like new things would automatically populate, like big new pictures would populate. You have that. Yeah. And you have this. called a slider. Yeah. A slider at the top. And the evolutionary perspective, liberating and empowering a woman's selfhood. Like, yeah, like this woman's like blowing 
something. Oh my god! I Look sound at like this an tiger who's masquerading as a nutrition guru. Everybody, so paleo. It's a tiger, and it says paleo, and then it's set, and then the O has the little cross symbol underneath it for like you know the women symbol. It's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty cute. Everybody go to the Wayback Machine and look at 2015. It is this is legit, and you have quite the sidebar going on. <laughs> the twenty you, you so, advertise the twenty one day sugar detox. That you was advertise, the era of the sidebar. It was a thing back then. Wow, and you advertise the civilized caveman. Yeah. Wow, George. Yeah. We, go, we go way back. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yep. Okay, moving on. <laughs> mine's mine's terrible. Don't I? We're we're not even going to go there. So, but you're. I mean, this is this is like the web 2012, which doesn't feel like that long ago, but was so long ago. Oh yeah, really? So really, long really ago. Was. Yeah, yeah. It's a anyway, whole different monster. So, so you get back from IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> so we like went home, and both of us were like. By the end, we're like, we have to get out of here. Like, yeah, we're dying. We and you're in the maze, and you don't know how to get out. So yeah. so we uh, did yoga together in his kitchen and then watched Buffy because we both love Buffy. Of, so, of course you did. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Uh, yeah. So that's what we did. Then I got home, and I laid out my rug in my shower, whatever that thing is, <laughs> the bathroom. The bits. And my, my new rug has. Hold on. Terminology. Bath mat. Bath mat. Welcome to your 30s. Bath mat. Okay, I have a bath mat. Um, And I have, there's a rug. I think it's still called a rug. There's a rug uh, and there's a big black stain on it. And there's like no way that it's worth my time or energy or money to go back to Ikea to get a new one. So I'm just keeping it. I'm going to name the stain eventually. It's going to be fine. We're going to be friends. Oh, of course you are. That's, yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that was stay. my gonna... ikea adventure so where was ikea like where did you have to drive to is it in london or no there's one uh in the town that boy lives in although i've called him rob already so i'll just keep doing that I guess. Oh, okay <laughs> I, I already did that earlier um there's a there's an ikea there but you have to drive to it so i would have to take the train to where he lives because it's not i we he doesn't live in oxford this oh, is the it. first time in 10 years i've dated somebody who lives on the same continent as me that's Isn't a big, that crazy? That's a big step. Yeah, but it's still like not in the same town. So uh, I would have to go to his town and then we would have to drive there. And it was a 20 pound mat. So, or rug. <laughs> so it's fine. I'll just keep it. So you're not talking, the bath mat doesn't have a stain. The rug has a stain. The rug has a stain. Okay. And it's neutral colored. And Rob told me that uh, rugs should be statement colors. And so I'm just really curious what this neutral rug is saying. <laughs> the neutral rug with the black stain. I don't know. Oh man! Does it, so does he decorate his own house, and does it look nice? And yeah, yeah, and he's brilliant at this sort of thing. I don't know. Some people wow. just like have an intuition for how to make things look nice, um, yeah. and he does a very good job with himself. <laughs> I like, I struggle, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's always been a struggle. I was like that girl who wore purple eyeshadow until she was like twenty, you know. <laughs> purple eyeshadow. I mean, I just, oh. I made that up, but that's what I mean. Like my fashion. No, but it's just, true. Everything is it's off. true. Like it really, it actually is like a cyan blue, but you know, <laughs> it's sort of coming back you know, in Buffy now. We- Buffy wears it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. About that. So I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
to even go even more off topic. When I was texting you about talking about feministic philosophy and I said, hey, do you want to talk about this? Somebody wants you to talk about it. You responded back with like four chat separate chat bubbles. Yeah, cool. I'm excited. We can do this. Instead of typing it out in one sentence, <laughs> you would write one word, enter, second word, enter, another thought, enter, another thought, enter. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. And it, I'm guessing that this is the, so we don't text at all on the phone, right? We're not, because sure. we're in different countries. But it makes, it made me realize there's really two types of texters in the world, which is the people who literally write everything in one chat bubble and hit send, and then people who write it word for word yeah. or a couple words, enter, 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 enter. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's two kinds of people, and I'm definitely the latter. You're the latter. Like, oh, yeah. My friends are like, oh, yeah. When I start, like, getting ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I know, Stephanie. Steph's just going to keep going. And so I like put my phone on silent. You can like a friend, if I'm telling a story, a friend can expect to get like between 90, let's say and 160 <laughs> messages from me. So then he did this enter. And then I said, enter. Yeah, it's like a paragraph break, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. It also gives more emphasis to each time you hit enter. Mm -hmm. Because I found myself doing that. And... It's because I'm coming back with an expression or I'm trying to say something and then I realize I'm probably really annoying because I'm that person that's like ding 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 ding. Yeah, I'm that person. I'm the latter, but I, I haven't found anybody like me until I started getting all these Instagram texts from you and I was like, Oh, oh, she does the things I do. Which is not surprising, I guess. Not yeah. surprising. Haven't heard not you say wowzer or any of those exclamation no, words. I'm though. like you're over I'm that like phase. Post post yeah yeah i'm over that phase interesting all right yeah. let's move on to our first discussion topic these are all really great topics that we got from the insta can you guys talk about going gray i'm only 28 and not ready to embrace it do you have healthy options healthy options for what for dyeing your hair oh i see yeah i wasn't i was guessing that that was it but i wasn't sure I think it's totally okay if you want to dye your hair. You know, I'm not going to shame you for making that choice. I think that's totally cool. People dye their hair all the time for a variety of reasons. I also, I'm not sure I, I would necessarily worry about the health risks of doing it. Um, especially like if, if you've only got like a few hairs, you can just dye your few hairs. You know, you don't necessarily, it depends obviously on what your situation is, but if you've got dark hair, and you find a dark whatever or something reasonably dark that reasonably matches and you dye your few little hairs like that, that would probably be enough. Um, you wouldn't have to do your whole head. So that's one way to like minimize your exposure um, to whatever kinds of chemicals are in dyes. But also if you're not doing it super frequently, I'm not sure I would worry about it. I don't, but also maybe I don't know enough about the dangers of dyeing your hair. And I have a feeling maybe Noel does. I don't, but. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Okay, wow, well, we're okay. the most informed <laughs> podcast hosts ever. I don't know the the scientifically sound if there's really any major like scientifically sound. Oh, you should not be dyeing your hair because of X, Y, and Z. I'll I'll do that. I'll do some research on that and try to cover that on Instagram to see what what research there is already. I can I can say that yes, 
the hair dyes I know do have harmful ingredients. And when you dye your hair, it is really sitting on your scalp. And so it does get absorbed into your scalp, into your hair. If you're not doing it all the time, it's, again, not something I would worry about. But there are safe alternatives. There are, there's like a couple that I can link to in the show notes, but going gray. So are you going gray yet? Me? Yeah. No, and I don't imagine I will for a long time because redheads, like, don't. Right. For, yeah. Yeah. So it's a genetic thing. It's yeah, very genetic. Uh, and if you have darker hair, it's definitely something that um, you'll see earlier on. So I've, of course, already seen it. And I've talked to my hairstylist about it. And I, I don't know. I, I have a mixed emotions about it. So some days I'm... I look at it and I'm like, oh, I just I don't love the grayness. The gray is coming out and it's just single strands. And when your hair goes gray, they sort of act a little unruly. <laughs> so it it you just notice it more. And having kids I've seen has really pushed that more. So I feel like I'm going gray more. And I do ha- I have mixed emotions about it. I don't know necessarily how I feel about it yet, but... Or what I'll do in the future, because my hair's a big deal, and a woman's hair is a big deal, you know? I think that that's something that we all, a lot of us focus on. So, I'm not sure if I'm like, hey, I'm going to embrace this, or if I'd rather say, <laughs> okay, I'm at a point where I want to diet now. I, I haven't figured that out yet, but I sometimes look at it and say, that's pretty cool, I'm aging, that's cool, not a big deal. And there's sometimes I look at it or I'm taking a picture of myself or a video and I see them and it bothers me or it's just, it's a sign. It's like, wow, I'm getting older. You know, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties now. (laughs) It's just, yeah, age. So I'm not sure what I, like, I don't know if I have any advice for how to accept it and embrace it. I know all of the arguments that I could present to you which are it's a blessing to age and it's a privilege and it is a sign that you're still alive and etc etc but again like stephanie said i don't have any i don't think it's a bad thing at all to want to dye your hair i don't think it's a bad thing at all to want to use anti-aging skincare which i do i want to take care of my skin i want to give it nutrients and if i have fine lines or My collagen production slows and therefore my skin is not as plump. Like I want to put stuff on it that's going to make it more plump and youthful looking. I don't think I'm trying to stuff the fact that I'm aging. I more just want to make sure that I feel good and I look good. I'm taking care of my skin. I'm taking care of my hair. And, you know, that's a whole other discussion in and of itself. But I want to feel good. I want to look good in the way that I want to look good and the way that I feel good. And so it really only matters to me how I feel. And so... Yeah, if I can age more gracefully, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to eat the right things that I know are going to support healthy hair, growth, and skin. You know, I may eventually get to the point where I want to dye my hair or change it a little bit or make it a little bit more blonde. It's kind of funny because my husband really does want to go gray. And it's just not in the cards for him. It just doesn't have the hair color. His hair color is like a dusty blonde. His his parents don't have gray hair, so not going to happen. But uh, he thinks it's cool that I have gray hair. It doesn't really matter what he thinks. It's it's more about what I think. So 
I don't know. I just, I kind of got to embrace it. It matters. It matters. What do you think? It does. I think you matter. No, um, he matters. But in the, yeah. within the context of do I dye my hair or not? Like, I'm not going to dye my hair to please, please him or not dye my hair to please him, right? I'm going to prioritize what what my feelings are. And he, of course, would prioritize that as well. But I was trying to think of the brand. It's called Moroccan Method. Have oh, you yeah. heard of that? Okay, yeah. Moroccan Method. They do have safe hair color, hair coloring, hair care in general. But they do have safe hair dyes. Um it's called henna hair dye. It's H E N N A, and they have different colors. And so I think that that would be worth. I would. Pro- I'll probably try that first, just to like bring some vibrancy, maybe some color back to my hair. Anyway, getting back to it, I was talking to my hairstylist about this, and I said, you know, I do have some grays, and she was like, "Girl, your hair looks gorgeous. Don't even worry about it." She said, "Once you start dyeing your hair." It's really hard to stop, and then it just becomes a lot more maintenance. And it's true. That's why I don't dye my hair now. I haven't changed its color in a while. It's just, it's a lot of maintenance. The moment it starts to grow out, you got to get back in there and dye your roots. Try the henna stuff first. And, I mean, just explore your feelings. (laughs) Feel, (laughs) Feel your feelings about your gray hair. Okay. Did you not? advice. Are you... Do you think you would dye your hair? Uh, I'm never going to. But yeah. if I had a different hair color, I guess <laughs> guess maybe I would. Have I you know. ever dyed your hair? Uh, well, I dyed it pink once and purple once and orange. Oh, of course. Like different kind of orange that I have currently. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, yeah, I did the fun thing once, but I've never, and I won't, I won't, you know, uh, yeah. I happen, I happen to think I, I got I got a nice little thing that matches my personality. Um, but, like, I, I make other alterations to my appearance. Like, I'm currently doing Invisalign. Um, oh, are you? Oh, actually, I didn't take them out. Normally, I take them out when we podcast. But I don't because it, like, sometimes it gives me a bit of a list. But now I'm paying attention. Um, yeah, you know I'm doing Invisalign, don't you? Well, you once knew. I once maybe. knew and I completely forgot. Um, yeah. How's it working? Uh, it's good. I only have, like six weeks left and I feel like my teeth have a long way to go. (laughs) Really? They got like a sprint to the finish, I think. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, they tell me that by the end, you know, I've gone for checkups and they're like, Oh yeah, you're progressing the way you're supposed to. Um, And then if things aren't like the way we want them, when I'm done, they'll order new trays for like at no extra cost. So interesting. um, Yeah. So I'm, I'm not against, you know, even radical, interventions in your appearance I just think when you do those kinds of things you need to be mindful about why you're doing it and to make sure that it's like it's not unhealthy you know you're not um, compensating for something for which you should be going to therapy or you know using it as a way to cover up insecurities that otherwise could be worked through you know all these sorts Mm -hmm, of things mm -hmm. Um, I think just when you go into it you need to understand that it doesn't shouldn't be a thing that's like really affecting the core of your experience in the world um, that you want to be solid and not necessarily dependent on the way you, you know, look. So Yeah, no, that's a really good call. I think there's a difference between making changes because you think you should and you want to appeal and fit in and try to fit the mold of what you think people think you should look. And that just always leads you down a path of never being happy with yourself. Or are you doing it for yourself and because it's your decision, you want to feel good and 
and move forward with that, which I support. I'm not going to say you can't change your appearance. Like, that's stupid. This podcast is supported by Thrive Market, a membership community that uses the power of direct buying to deliver the world's best healthy food and natural products to members at wholesale prices. Go to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen to sign up and get 25% off your first order. When you sign up for a membership, you're also sponsoring a low-income family in need with a membership. Thrive Market is like Whole Foods, Amazon Prime, and Costco combined. You can shop for thousands of health food and natural products that are 10 to 50% below retail prices and have them delivered to your door fast and totally free with a low minimum purchase. You'll find just about everything you can find at natural grocery stores on Thrive Market, plus more. And all of the food products are categorized by diet and lifestyle, making it easy to find allergy-friendly foods and snacks for your family. Get the highest quality products you love, minus the retail markup, and help American families thrive. To sign up and get 25% off your first order, go to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. Steph, can you talk about, I, the specific question was, can Steph talk about her feministic philosophy, assuming she has strong beliefs? That's it. Okay. Um, that's the question. That's the question. Uh, so what Noelle asked me if I wanted to talk about this in a message, and I responded in four different whatever <laughs> little messages. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, heck yeah, I'll talk about that. But I actually, I honestly was like, uh, not entirely sure, uh, A, what I'm being asked for, and B, what I'm going to say. So here we go. Um, feministic philosophy, uh, assuming I have strong beliefs. Um, I don't. I do and I don't have strong beliefs. I think uh, women and men are equal. I think we have equal capabilities for intelligence. Um, I can tell you a little bit about the lay of the like philosophical territory in feminism um, and I guess where I generally fall. So feminism these days is very interesting to me. It has a long history of, of going through different phases, right? You're fighting for the right to vote. You're like, hey, we can, shouldn't we be able to own property? Like these equal legal rights. In a lot of ways, women have equal legal rights. In a lot of ways, we obviously don't um, because of this history of men legislating and collecting women's bodies, right? And we see this everywhere. And it was, sometimes it's conscious or intentional and sometimes it's not, right? But like uh, the other day I was on a train <laughs> and like I could not sit in the chair without my head being bent at like a 50 degree angle forward because the chair was obviously built for somebody via male, right. Or like built for a large human. So, um, and the paleo for women exists because I realized that like medical studies are mostly done on men. And when they are done on women, people like don't really integrate them into their diet nutrition advice. Like it matters. I think we sort of moved into a phase with, racism as well as feminism where we need to understand that our biggest problem is mostly subconscious most people in the world aren't in at least you know in america and western states most people do not actively like want to be anti-feminist you know do not want to be sexist but we have biases that we've inherited like it's laced throughout our culture that we accidentally interrupt women more than we do men. 
I do, right? We uh, tend to not like listening to female podcasters, right? We tend to take women less seriously as authority figures, which is a massive struggle for me as a 30-year-old person who's writing a book that I happen to think is like kind of brilliant about the history of Western thought. And I happen to be an expert in the history of Western thought. And is anybody going to take me seriously as a 30-year-old woman? You know, if I wear glasses, it helps. <laughs> I'm serious. So like um, all of these things are, are very important. And I think probably our biggest struggle in educating ourselves and figuring out and being okay with the fact not being defensive against our own biases and just learning, right? Like, oh, why do I think this? Why am I having this reaction? Why do I feel defensive right now? I think that that's really, really big. And then, of course, like there are people who another big piece of the feminist discussion or whatever question is how much do we say what a woman is or isn't, right? And this has to do with like the giant question of gender in general. Now, I happen to have an opinion that is pretty unpopular among my academic and very progressive peers, which is that I do think that there are some tendencies, some genetic tendencies that like make women different from men. And I don't just mean males and females different. I mean, kind of like gender. And part of the reason I think this, all right, I don't usually say this sort of thing publicly because I could like get in trouble for it. I don't know why, right? Like we take the experiences of transgender people very seriously. We're like, wow, here's a person who's in a body that doesn't feel like it aligns with their like phenomenological experience of gender. Phenomenological basically just means experience. I don't know why philosophers use such a big word to say experience. I have an experience of a different gender and it's like real. And, uh, and you go to you go through different kinds of therapy and operations and align yourself with this gender. And I think that there are, there are real cues there. And obviously these things are very fluid and you can land on different places of the spectrum and, and what have you. But generally speaking, I don't think that we necessarily should ignore the possibility that like, yeah, men and women may tend to have different behavioral traits tend okay like not a rule but like tend um and it's something that's that's an idea that's very very scary to many people who are more progressive because you're saying that there was some kind of like genetic imperative that like robs people of their freedom and that takes away the importance of your like environment and culture when you're talking about how somebody becomes who they are i think environment and culture are huge i there was a whole chapter in my dissertation on how to integrate science and make sure that when we talk about genetics, we're also having conversations about like how growing up in certain ways is also important, if not more important. It's just like these conversations we have in nutrition, right? Like you might have a gene that predisposes you to get type two diabetes, but you're not necessarily going to get type two diabetes, right? Like you might have a tendency, but you're not necessarily going to. And so I see anyway, I see you're a lot talking about our, you're talking about nature versus nurture. Yeah, basically, because yeah, right. there's this uh, there's this giant like giant question, right? Because people will tell you, well, like a woman should like b you know be in the kitchen with babies, and it's like, okay, why? Honestly, the reason they think so, or like the fundamental philosophy under that is like, well, women have this like specific wiring, or God gave it to them, or whatever, and men have this. And people on the left are very allergic to that idea. But I think like I think that if people just listen to each other and talk, they could actually like be like, oh, we we like all of us 
think that there may be some nature at play and nurture at play at the same time. Um, so these are big questions in feminism. Another big question in feminism right now is about the question of intersectionality. There's this idea of white feminism, which is that like people have historically not really paid attention to the fact that being a white woman and being a black woman are different experiences. Yeah, they're different experiences. I have a very complex feelings and philosophies about identity politics, and I will not go into them here. Uh, but it, it is important to understand that there are like such, such big uh, influences on your experience of gender based on your race. And it's important when you're sort of advocating for people's rights that you make sure that you're not like just speaking only from your perspective, but trying to understand how other people might be um, feeling generally. Do I identify as a feminist? Yes. Uh, the reason I do is because very plainly speaking, you know, so many people are allergic to the word, but they wouldn't have to be allergic to the word. Right. And that kind of bothers me. Feminism, very generally speaking, just means, yes, I believe men and women are equal. And some people might say, I don't need feminism right now. Like, I don't need feminism. I'm fine. And this was my attitude until I was 22 years old. And the crappy website that Noelle just saw, and I like figured it out in a bookstore in Boston, you know, because I just thought that like, I don't need feminism. But there are a few months, ago, like there are women in the world who are being stoned and who are being burned because they're not, you know, they want to read books, you know, the world definitely, definitely needs feminism in so many ways. And it is such a massive privilege, right? Like you, all of us can vote because feminism has existed and continues to exist. And like I mentioned earlier, like nowadays, you might not see it very obviously, but like we have these subconscious biases and they're real and we need to, we need to keep paying attention to them. Um, and there's a ton of nuances. And I don't know if you want to like talk about nuances in terms of like gender pay gap and, you know, abortion and all this different stuff. Like these are huge debates happening in feminism, but these are sort of the main points that I take with me when I like look at these more specific questions. I don't know. Yeah, I think you and I, we talked about fen feminism, I don't know, a really long time 79, ago. 79, episode 79. <laughs> that was I a remember. really long time ago. Yeah, but essentially, I love your view on that. I think it's so refreshing because what you're saying essentially is you can, well, what we were saying, especially in episode 72, is that you can be a feminist and have different political views. You can be pro-women and pro-equal rights for the very reasons that you said for women, but be on any side of the equation when we're talking about politics. And so I think that that's, that's really needed as well. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that it's only projected as, well, this, this side is talking about it because it, it's their political view, um, which is just toxic. You know, if we could all sit down and talk about it. I think it's it's really hard for people to wrap their heads around. It's obviously, you know, the the left really strongly allies itself with the battles of the historically marginalized, right? So it's very clearly a proponent of helping people with race and gender issues and what have you and is obviously very like fighting for them, but you can if you can like step into the shoes of somebody 
who has different views about economics or grew up in a religious home or tends to think that like gender might have some biological bases, right? Like there were, you have to be able to step into shoes and it, you know, it, it goes the other way, of course, that if you think that women are X, Y, and Z ways, like under, you have to be able to understand that people can be really well-intentioned and fighting for things and just coming, you know, coming Having from a different solution. Different, yeah. Yeah. Two different solutions, same goal. One of the things that I don't think is talked about a lot when we talk about privilege is the privilege of beauty, which yes. I... Yes, I'm snapping. <laughs> Instead of clapping? Yeah. Well, Got it. Yeah. Um, I just, and I think that when I look at my opportunity that's been given to me and how I've been able to, first of all, just exist in school and among peers and the confidence that I have and the opportunities that were given to me, a lot of it is because of my good looks. And that, to, like, because I'm attractive according to, like, social norms. You know, I have a, a pretty smile. I have bigger eyes. I have long hair. And so I think that there's a lot of privilege. That no, and I don't feel like people are talking about this that much. That comes to people who are beautiful according to the social standard. Whether that is a certain color of your skin, a type of your hair, or whatever. Um it it's really one of those things that I think, especially when you're talking about jobs and even, you know, being in high school and all that kind of stuff, you know, your looks in high school, that's, that's huge. That gets, that's really about how do you get treated? Do you get bullied or not? You know, your weight and all of that stuff. And so I was able to build a lot of confidence in myself and become uh, more self-aware and and build skills like social skills and talking to people and speaking in front of a group and speaking on this microphone, you know, doing that sort of thing. I was able to do that because I felt confident in my skin. And I do think that I was like, huh, you know, I'm I'm pretty attractive. Like I would have said that, you know, about myself when I was in high school. It's not just that, oh, you're attractive. It's because I was perceived as attractive, like I was able to build a lot of social skills and to be a leader and to talk more and given more opportunity. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that that's huge. And uh, something, something we really need to pay attention to. It's very complex, obviously, all these discussions about privilege, you know, and we just need to understand that that can manifest in so many different ways. And it's been demonstrated in studies time and time again, that more attractive people get uh, job offers more frequently and all that sort of stuff, um, which is uh, part of why I am doing Invisalign. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah, I think it hit me. I was talking, my husband and I reminisce a lot, and I was talking about how I had... <laughs> This feels really weird for me to say this, so just bear with me. If this comes off wrong, I apologize. But I worked in sales, and I frequently (sighs) – I don't want to sound cocky. I'm sorry. I just – I would flirt a lot for sales. I would – I would – I had the best sales numbers because I was able to turn it on, and I knew I had the stuff, 
and I was able to turn it on and I could get people to buy more stuff when I was connected with them and had better eye contact. And I kind of knew that I had that power, so to speak, or, you know, my confidence was confident was just kind of overflowing for people. And they, of course, what I was, I wasn't trying to oversell them necessarily, but I knew that I could talk to them about A, B, and C and the specific add-ons and why it was important for them. And they were going to believe me and eat it up. So I had that, I was just having that conversation with my husband recently about, you know, how I always had, you know, very good sales. I was usually at the top seller in our, in the store. And I told him, I said, I knew how to turn it on. I knew that I was, you know, had the confidence and they needed that. And especially when single men would come in, I knew that I, that I could make a pretty good sale. So yeah, which is not something that, you know, is a privilege given to everybody. And that was solely me working my resources. And I have to, I have to know that that's a part of my, that was part of my success. So Anyway, I think yeah. about that stuff a lot. Yeah, I have I definitely, like I used to go to the market 10 years ago when I was super strapped for cash and would like wear low cut tops, mm-hmm. you know, and be like, well, if this is the world that I was born into, then I'm going to like leverage a little bit of this power. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, it's all very complicated, but you're absolutely right. That's a thing. I mean, there, I, yeah, there's yeah. good and bad about it, too. Yeah, it's good and bad about it, too, because as I get older, I realize that that power is is gone. <laughs> and so it's it's very odd for me to feel like I have something about like that used to be my identity. Right. And so now that that identity is no longer, I really have to explore. Wow. Like I used to put a lot into the fact that I perceived myself as attractive and I thought I was I was confident that other people were perceiving me as attractive as well and now I've gone through a lot of life changes I'm getting older I don't you know I don't (laughs) get that same attention for sure and it's it's interesting for me to have to work through that personally and be like well that that was not your identity and it and it isn't that's still not your worth either you know I'm I kind of wrapped up a lot of stuff in that and Anyway, yeah, and I, yeah, I want to add one more thing, which is speaking of the, you know, the powers that you can have being in this position as a woman. Um, I think it's important for anybody listening <laughs> to understand that m- the enemy of feminists is not men. It's the patriarchy, right? It's like it can be toxic to both men and women. The ways in which men are cultured to be emotionless and stoic and aggressive and not express their feelings and not like have friends or be vulnerable, like that can be really toxic too. And so my hope as somebody who identifies as a feminist, but doesn't like necessarily, you know, I'm not like making it the core thing about my identity. My hope uh, is is to help liberate everybody from the ways in which we have sort of toxically um, shaped our gender relations. So I just want that to be clear because I, I think a lot of fear of the label of feminism is this idea that feminists are men haters. And also one more thing, uh, I don't think it's helpful for uh, women to talk about hating men or that sort of thing. I know it's very tempting. I think it's fun and a lot of people can like jokingly do it, but I think it's important if you want to, you know, I think it's important identifying as feminist that you make it clear you know, that you don't hate people for being cultured into a particular situation. And I 
there's a lot of hostility towards men and especially towards white men in the world today. And I understand that there's a lot of white men who really suck, but there are a lot who try really, really hard to be good. So um, just approach people with nuance and, and care and the benefit of the doubt, you know, when you can. So. Oh, the thoughts. Okay. The last question. Hi, ladies. I really love your podcast. It feels like a good mix of nutrition and body positivity. The problem is I'm feeling stuck in my mindset. A little background in college, I became pretty obsessed with all nutritional things and even began thinking about going into nutrition as a career option. However, through listening to your podcasts, through listening to podcasts, including including yours, I slowly realized I was obsessive over, in quotations, clean eating, partly because of my negative body image and low self-worth. I was using it as a coping mechanism for my abundant anxiety. Over the past years, I've tried a more intuitive eating approach and have become a lot more lax about what I eat, mostly when I go out. This has led me to gain a little bit of weight. I gain it mostly in my stomach. But it has only made me feel worse about my body. I don't feel sexy, and I'm a lot more conscious of my body during sex. It doesn't help that most of my friends and family are also obsessive about what they eat and how much they exercise, and they talk negatively about their bodies. I feel like I can't escape it. How do I feel sexy in my own skin when society is constantly telling me that gaining weight is the devil. As I'm reading this question too, Steph, tying it into the last question, I'm realizing that a lot of the things that I struggled with in college were me fearing losing that attractiveness, right? So I felt like Mm -hmm. I had this beauty privilege. And so I was so freaked out of losing it. And so that, it seems like that's kind of what she's talking about too. But essentially, you know, college is a rough time anyway, but not a rough time. It's fun, but it's, uh, when you're, we're talking about appearance and identity and all that stuff, there's a lot that goes on there. And um, yeah, that was a huge driver of, oh my gosh, I'm losing my worth. I'm using how I identify myself as a thin, attractive woman. And I'm not going to be able to use that beauty anymore if I lose it, you know? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think that that's a, a really important reflection. And I feel it too, you know, mm-hmm. like you hate when people cat call you, but a part of you kind of secretly likes it. Yes, you know? right. And that's not for everybody. And we're not saying it's right. But I, I understand it where exists. you're coming from. Yeah, I it understand exists. where you're coming from. Yeah. I think the question here is, uh, what do you want your power to be? And with whom, you know, uh, and and what do you want it? What do you want it to say? And what kind of people do you want in your in your life? Right. So, um, I have also always been afraid of uh, losing this power. Right. You think if you don't feel sexy, people aren't going to love you, and if you don't look a certain way, you can't feel sexy. Uh, I understand. You know, I mentioned earlier that I'm trying really hard to be taken seriously in a particular way in my work, and I'm also trying really hard to conform to beauty norms in a sense, like in a certain way, uh, not too much. I'm trying to find like a way to conform enough to get the like general populace to be interested in me. Um, and so I have put a lot of thought recently into how much energy I want to put into conforming to the way that, you know, people say I should look. And I have made offhanded remarks to people uh, in recent months. Like I was out with a group of guy friends and we were ordering dinner and I was like, well, obviously I'm having a salad and they were like, Oh, I eat a pizza. And here's a hypocrisy that does really kill me, which is that like so many people in the world love a woman who will eat a pizza, but won't <laughs> like be attracted to somebody who looks like they eat a pizza. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, 
they're all like, oh, like eat more. But then when you gain weight, they're not attracted to do any more. And there are people in the world like that. They're but, like, stop eating. Yeah, exactly. But do you right. honestly like, and there were people, there was somebody in my life, I'll never forget 12 or 13 years ago when I lost a lot of weight and it was obviously very unhealthy. And I had been in love with him for years and all of a sudden he loved me back. And I just realized that it was because I had lost like 15 pounds, you know, it wasn't massive. And that's, he was one of those people. And that's not the kind of person I want to have in my life. So when I was out with my guy friends the other day and I was like, room salad. Um, and they were all very much like, I like, I actually like women and I like the bodies of women who look like they eat and who like aren't working hard to conform to beauty norms. And as it turns out, the men that I've been involved with, like I, have been involved with a fair few. The men that I've been involved with have all been like very big proponents of steering away from this beauty norm and being into women's bodies that don't adhere to this like weird cookie cutter stereotypical thing, you know, very much into the fact that you do prioritize your health and your mental well being over looking a certain way. There are people in the world like that. There's this cute little comedy thing. I don't remember who it's by, but he refers to the shtick that you're selling as like a milkshake, maybe because of the milkshakes in the yard, I guess, or something. But he's like, look, like whatever you're, there is somebody out there who is buying what you're selling. And don't you want the people who are buying what you're selling to be people who believe in body positivity, who believe in mental health, who believe in empowerment, who believe in like channeling your energy and your resources towards being a great person versus, you know, towards being, making yourself small and being hungry all the time. Right. So, um, a, there are people who are buying what you're selling, no matter your size, period. You know, it literally does not matter your size. There are people in the world who are buying what you're selling and, uh, B, you know, think about who you want your audience to be. And maybe it's okay that you're not getting, like a specific kind of validating attention based off of, you, you know, your abs or your small waist or what have you. Uh, but maybe that's once you let go of that, you realize that it didn't add any real value to your life anyway. And the thing that does add value to your life is having loving relationships with people who care about you in this like really supportive way. Um, now I, you mentioned your friends and family are sort of obsessive. We've talked about this on the podcast probably almost every episode, you know, like what to do when people around you are obsessive, you can like communicate about your needs. You know, you can make statements about what's good for you. You don't necessarily need to tell them what to do or tell them what's right, but you can say, you know what, I, can we not talk about this? You know, uh, for me, I think it might not be very healthy for me. I'm experimenting with seeing like, if it can help me focus less on my body or I'm trying this thing. Um, and maybe that can help. And if they're not supportive, if they don't think that's okay, then that's not okay. And then that's a whole new conversation about who you want in your life and um, why and how. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that was a huge wake up call for me. I like that. If you, why, you know, get the people who are buying what you're selling. Don't, don't try to change your product to meet yeah. the needs of somebody that of a customer that you don't really even care about selling to, you know, like just, yeah. And that, that was a, an epiphany moment for me. And hopefully that, that resonates and is something that you can take as well, which is, 
if you're trying so hard to fit into this social norm and just so you can please, let's say, two to five percent of people who think you need to be X size to be attractive, then like, what's it all for? <laughs> like, well, yeah. why are you trying so hard? Like, what what's the what's the point? Because now the people that you're tra- you're trying to please and be attractive to are people that you probably don't have a lot in common with anyway and are people who you don't share similar values with. So why is it that you're so focused on pleasing this subset of people who really need you to be thin or to have abs or to be lean and be doing the diet thing, the diet culture thing? Why, why are you trying so hard to please those people when they just have nothing in common with you and, you you know, there's no shared value there? So... I think it's understanding that it's understanding and exploring social norms and where they came from and the standard of beauty and where why it exists and how it morphs. It really does change. It's changed from 10 years ago. There's a, a new standard now, which Steph and I have joked about, which is, you know, now it's not about being skinny. It's about being lean, which really just means now you have to be super lean you have to be super thin and also really muscular, right? So now we're putting even more pressure on women in different ways. And it's, it's, it, you can stand back and look at it as an observer. And that's the role that I think Steph and I have taken on and we encourage women to take on is to get outside of it, observe it and be able to see it and call it out when it happens. But, and that's how you're able to work through it personally. And so once you do that, you can see that there's beauty in lots of in uniqueness and that there is no one thing that you have to do or be to be attractive or to to I was going to say to be healthy. But that's not really a situation I think that you're struggling with. Um, It's and that kind of sets you on the path towards having a positive relationship with your body. Now, positive doesn't mean you have to you love your body and you love everything about it but it means that you can appreciate your body for what it does which is it keeps you alive right it's working it's doing things constantly to make sure that you can experience all that you experience and we can appreciate that and find beauty in that and you can just be sort of neutral about your body like you can you can just say like hey cool like i have I don't love my stomach and that's fine. And there's other things that I can focus on in the world, right? Your body, your weight is not the most important thing about you. Your body shape and size, it's not the most important thing about you. So don't let that drive all of your decisions and drive your life, right? So those are my thoughts. I don't have any more. Do you have anything else to add? No, I think we... I think we covered this pretty extensively, actually. Good. Yeah. What a great discussion. So for more from Stephanie, go to stephanieruper.com. For more from me, go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. I like doing these fun little topics where we can discuss things back and forth, and we'll definitely incorporate them more. So make sure that you're following Well-Fed Women on Instagram, and you're following me on Instagram. That's usually where I try to asked pose the questions and insta stories and gosh darn it just make sure you're following steph on instagram (laughs) at stephanie ruper folks go hit that follow button 
Um, and yeah, that's where we're going to try to pull for more conversations and, and go outside of maybe gut health and start talking about some other stuff. So keep sending your questions, though, too. If you have longer form questions, send them to wellfedwomen at gmail.com. We so appreciate you all. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing time with us and joining in this discussion. We will talk to you next week.